Hi, and welcome to Our Hood with your hosts, Jesse and Jinx. Our goal is to create a space of belonging and a community full of love and support because every human longs and deserves a home in this life. Hello, and welcome to Our Hood with your host, Jesse. And Jinx. And today we are talking about um, depression, anxiety, and when all those things just become too much, um, suicide awareness. So for anyone out there who's struggling or this may trigger, just trigger warning ahead that this podcast is probably going to be pretty heavy. Yeah, I, I I hope it maybe is less of a trigger and more because I think like a lot of times you have subjects that are very taboo and in a way it kind of has been for us because like we've been talking about doing this for a while, but you know we had a, a friend of ours who was just past the one year mark friend of ours uh, commit suicide and so I think you know for months we've kind of been like oh are we going to do this one and maybe at the beginning it was a little too early and so yeah you know I, I think. Hopefully it's more of like a healing discussion, just a general general awareness talk about it, right, as compared to triggering. But, I mean, you know, whatever state you're in, hopefully, you, like you said, to not take it that way and kind of receive it in the way in which we're intending to do it. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully this will be uh, help me and let you know, like, you're not alone out there. Other people have experienced it, have made it through it. And, um, yeah, but let's uh, just jump right in. So... Like Jinx said, we had a friend just this last December who passed away um, due to suicide and was struggling with depression for quite a while. Yeah, quite some time. Um, was that your first experience, Jinx? With- that was, like in terms of like someone that close to me. Yeah. Like, and um, I, what made it extra difficult was uh, I was also going through some pretty extreme depression from maybe like, September to December-ish, I was kind of in in the thick of mine. And, uh, you know, I had relied on him a lot because I, like, he was always the kind of person who just put on such a good, like, outward face. Yeah. Right? And for me, I struggle to do that, right? When I'm, when, well, I don't struggle to do that normally, just kind of like my day-to-days. But when, in that kind of time, that kind of time period, it was difficult. Like, it, it really took a lot to kind of, like, bring out in social situations and come out. And so, um, you know, I talked to him and I even went to lunch with him maybe like a week before, 10 days before, just to kind of talk about it. Like, hey, oh, wow. where are you in your process? How are you doing? Like working through everything. Here's where I'm at in my process. He had kind of given me a couple books to read along the way, which had been really big for me and great. And uh, so it was just kind of like a, it, it, at, at that point uh, that, you know, a week before, I was kind of like starting to pull through mine a little bit, right? And mm-hmm. so I think I was much more on that motivator, like how can we help each other? Like where can we, you know, what can we do type? Uh, and he was still obviously like in the thick of of what was going on with him mentally. And so um, that one was extremely hard for me because I, I felt like he wasn't maybe opening up everything to me, right? It was like I knew, yeah. I knew from other people that he was talking to that, he was going through some stuff and it was, it was hard. Cause like, you know, especially when it happened, I was like, fuck, what, like, what more could I have done? Like, what did I do wrong? Right. 
Um, how could I have supported him better? Like, you know, was, I was taking like some blame on myself of, of how, you know, how that kind of happened. And that even took, you know, some time to, to come for myself to kind of work through. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. I feel like that's probably the initial reaction <clears throat> of most like friend groups or social groups that like experience that type of loss, whether it's a suicide or a drug overdose, yeah. um, which is more just like reckless behavior yeah. that leads to, they may not qualify as suicide, but it definitely is like just reckless and can lead down that yeah. path. Um, it's usually like, what more can I have done? Like, how could I have stopped them from ODing or how could I have like been there for them? How could I have gotten them to open up more? a lot of like the could have should have would haves um to like go through your mind and that i think is like the hardest part about processing for sure a friend who passes away because if it's accidental in a car accident it's not like i wish i could have texted them and had them come an hour later i should have you know like what there's nothing in an accident but in these it's like um there's blame that like you take on that maybe you don't need to take on. Sure. Um, how did you like get over the the blame piece for you? Um, to get through that. I remember we're just working through. Oh, maybe maybe this is kind of going too deep, but like my own kind of philosophical thoughts around multiple dimensions and different things. Like when I when we had our our mushroom journey down in Moab, it was it was definitely like a point of topic and. It was really beautiful because Brad was really there with us. Like mm-hmm. the first night we went to the house and I had over, I had double booked it. Like I thought we were open that night and there was someone else in there. And so we ended up having to go stay at a hotel that Justin and Brad had just gone there like two or three months before. Mm-hmm. And they had stayed there maybe like a month before he passed. And um, so it was like, it was a cool way to like bring him in. Cause then Justin's telling us about their experience together and, and all this cool stuff that like, you know, we may not have necessarily had. And so, um, you know, Justin had told me something that, that really did like ring with me where he's like, I don't know that Brad necessarily meant to do it. Like, I think he was kind of amped up. I think he was like holding the gun, like, you know, like kind of just getting going and then, you know, just like maybe too much pressure mm-hmm. or something. And then, you know, I just kind of started thinking like, you know, my concept on this multiple realities is like my reality is the only one I truly know. Right. I assume everyone else is experiencing the same reality that that I am in some way, but like my reality is really the only reality I truly know because hey, it's me. Um, and so you know, it was kind of like oh, I bet you know. And I started to think like, man, maybe that's like he's gone in my dimension, but he's not necessarily gone in here in his. As weird as that sounds, yeah. Like that was like a big a big thing for me is like you know I truly believe that we'll experience all versions and maybe we're experiencing like all versions of life concurrently, like in multiple spots. Right. And so, you know, in my dimension that happened. Right. And it's like, it's something that I now process in mine and that in like, I was just kind of like in his, I, you know, maybe he still, maybe it was a decision he didn't make. And so just kind of based on my own thought process and belief, it just kind of helped me wrap, wrap my head kind of around it a little bit and just feel a little more at peace with it. And, and knowing that, you know, Justin was telling I, I don't think Brad was ever really scared. Um, and Brad had kind of, he was just kind of like an extremist in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And so he was just like, yeah, maybe, you know, it's like he 
he was kind of like laughing, happy while he's doing it. Like, I, I really don't feel like he was up there crying, up there sad about his life. I really feel like he was kind of like that. I'm ready for the next journey. Or I'm, I'm just ready for a different, I'm ready for a reset, like whatever that is. And, and so again, for me, I mean, not to say in any way that that's what this is or, or, uh, you know, encourage that in any way. But for me, I was just like, it gave me peace to think of him like kind of still existing in, in his own other dimension of not necessarily, you know, being afraid, feeling lonely, different things. Like kind of looking at what I really believe that he was feeling was just like, you know, something a little different than that. And so it helped me process it a little better. I mean, I, I would really hate to think on the, the spot of how alone he felt. And I mean, that, those may have been true emotions, but, but for me, kind of the healing came through, through some of those. I mean, and knowing like, look, I've been through shit too. Like during that depression, that was probably the first real time. I, I never, I never really reached a, a super level of it, but that was kind of the first time where in some way, like suicide had come into my mind in terms of, hey, maybe, you know, kids are better off. They'll get, you know, a big settlement, different things, right? It's like the first time I think financially I was thinking like, oh, maybe it would be better. Because at that point I was still jobless. I was like running out of money. It was just kind of like. I didn't know you ever had those thoughts. Like very, very yeah, intro, but, right? But still. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just, the, just the beginning of that thought, which again, that, that thought can just spiral, right? And, and it can get out of control really quick. And so. You know, I'm grateful that that's been been the furthest I've thought about it. But um, you know, that was the first time I'd really even ever broached that that thought at all. Dang, yeah. that's that's really crazy. That that's like where like depression can take you. I didn't know that like had affected you. But that's also nice to know that you're not in that spot still. Yeah. And like, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm bipolar, so it's like it's I, I had just had an extreme high like yeah. four or five months before it. And so to me, it's kind of like, hey, like, you know, if you're willing to swing one way, you have to be willing to like observe, swing the other way. observe and swing yeah. that other side. You yeah. Know? It's like, yeah, it's just uh, it's interesting to hear. And I probably don't know how to like react because I definitely have been in like the suicidal ideation pit yeah. multiple times in my life. Um. We've talked about that. I didn't really yeah. want to like present like, hey, Jesse, <laughs> no. tell me about. That's okay. Yeah, I, was like, I, I wanted to allow it. you the space to bring that up <laughs> so, yourself. So, yeah, no. Um, so I think like I've been depressed since like junior high school. Hmm. Um, and suicidal ideation probably came into my mind, which was first like maybe my friends would be better off. Maybe my family would be better off. Um, maybe my life would be better. Cause at the time when the first time I had like suicidal ideation was like, um, when I was still very LDS and I had thoughts mm. of, um, well, this world is so hard and so depressing. I'd rather be with God because everyone makes God to be out, to be amazing and yeah. heaven to be amazing. And, um, like if my, if God really loved me, he's not going to punish me for killing myself, knowing how much pain I'm in. So, I'm just going to like go be with God and mm. it'll be like way better. So that was yeah. probably the first. See, that, that's, that's where I think Brad's mindset yeah. was in a way, right? It's like, I'm just done with this journey. I'm ready for a reset. I'm ready for whatever like is out there, but it's better than this. Right. Yeah. And that yeah. was definitely the most peaceful time that I had ever been Interesting. suicidally depressed. Yeah. And then maybe a couple years later, I'm in college and um, I'm super depressed. And this is probably the first time that I ever, um, attempted suicide was um 
my freshman year of college. Mm. Um, and I had let, like, I had gone through all of my resources. I like called like seven people that day oh. and like had texted a bunch of people just as wanting, like a last re- as like a last kind of resort, like, like just out. someone oh. talked to me, like someone oh, stopped me. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up like finding a bridge and I didn't end up jumping. Um, all was all's well that ends so, well. So to get to that point, <laughs> um, did any of those people like re- were Yeah, I was or? like, I was there in the moment. I was thinking about it. I was like tearful. I was like going to do it. And then um, my phone vibrated mm. and I had a text message from someone I didn't reach out to, someone I didn't feel safe no with. No way. Like talking that emotionally deep about it. And I was like, this person reached out though. Like mm-hmm. this person who I would never talk about depression yeah. with cared like yeah. about me Very in this beautiful. moment. Yeah. Um, and then the last time it happened was probably the last time I was super suicidal was like after my divorce and after I had lost all of my friends and I was um, just in the, in the throes of it. And it wasn't even like, it was like, no one cares. No one loves me. My life will never be better than this. Mm. I'm so like, like I've done all the things right. And God still is like punished me. I'm mm. not like super LDS anymore. So it's not like I want to go be with God. It was like, <laughs> yeah, different. Like it was, yeah. a, it was a totally different space to be in where it was like, um, I was supposed to be married for eternity. And this guy is very abusive. Yeah. I was supposed to be married for eternity. And this guy was able to just like be like, mm, we're, we're acting like roommates and I'm abusive to you and I'm not going to work on myself and I'm not going to heal myself. So I'm going to leave you. And the church sanctioned it. And in the sense that the church can sanction it. Yeah. But, um, and then it was like, I lost all of my friends to all of that. I was like, my family's never even known that I've been suicidal. So like, they don't care. Yeah, like I've been care. depressed for yeah. years. And, um, and then I had a, I was crying, no one was home and I had a roommate that got off work early and he rushed up the stairs and picked me up off of my bed before I was able to like overdose. Um, which was pretty crazy. And since then I've had like suicidal ideation, but never like attempted again. Um, but it's just crazy to like go back to that place because I'm in such a, such a better place now. I can't even um, drop all the way into that low of a low anymore. Like I don't know why I was that sad anymore. So I think that's really hard to empathize with people who've never experienced it. Because I, who have experienced it multiple times, can't even like drop myself into the empathy of it. I can drop myself into the like, I've been there, I know what that Mm -hmm. feels like, but I couldn't sit in it with that person, Mm. even though I've been in that space yeah it's interesting like hearing because i i would just by knowing you and observing you right i i see i've seen like a lot of maybe like self-love self like more like self-actualization i Mm -hmm. guess right it's just kind of like coming into your own right and where like a lot of those initial stories it's kind of like other people right it's like i don't have i reached out to seven friends right it's like you're Mm -hmm. it's like going to that like will these will these friends care enough to respond to me right and yeah and then it's like losing all your friends losing your husband like losing these it's like 
it you know there it sounds like there's a lot of value like that at those times like wrapped up in in other people's feelings of you or other people's like treatment of you and, yeah. and different things and so like my you know my guess would just be like you know maybe the work you've done internally um towards like you know owning who you are and owning everything about you the good the bad the everything and just kind of like you know this is you now right and so it's probably it's hard to even connect with that those same people or connect with those deep feelings of that like given this is who you are yeah. I, I don't know if that's even a good no that definitely resonates because yeah. it's like i definitely had no real sense of self i think when i was the most oppressed um it was when i had no sense of self so like yeah the first couple times and like most of my depression i was very religious and lds and i think my whole identity was lds but there yes. was a lot of yeah. cognitive dissonance between who i was what i loved um what I wanted to do with my life and yeah. then how I was being treated. Like women are supposed to be held up, on a, held up on a pedestal in that church. And yet I'm being walked on like a rug by not only a man who's supposed to love me, but also the leadership who's supposed to protect me. Yeah. And so it was like cognitive dissonance, no sense of self and all self is wrapped up in a, in a church who yeah. isn't letting me love myself. And then the last time that I was really that suicidal was like I had just broken away from the church because of the divorce. And um, I was like in a new job, didn't have that many like good friends. I had lost all my friends. Yeah. It was all this stuff. So I didn't have even my church to hold on to anymore. Mm, yeah. And then from then on, it was just like constant work on self. Like yeah. the last five years has been a definitely a self-actualization journey of like what do who am i what do i like what do i love yeah. like i just i had this thought the other day that i was while i was rock climbing and i had just done like a a pretty hard climb and i was like so proud um right after i had gotten divorced i didn't have any hobbies like i knew how to paint mm. i liked painting but like i looked back on the two years that i was married and i was like what did i what adventures <laughs> did i go on the last yeah. two years none what did I do that I loved last two years? None. What hobbies did I have? None. And now I can look back and be like, oh my gosh, I went to five different states mm -hmm. this year. I went on like eight different trips. I have done, I don't even know how many countless hobbies, have a job that I love, have hobbies that I love, have this podcast. And it's like, oh, that's who I am. Yeah. Like, And even if all of these things were stripped away, I think I would still have something well, of myself search left. for more right? i would yeah, search for more yeah. i would know who i am yeah yeah and i think that's why i was seeking seeking people yeah is because the depressed thoughts were coming from i am nothing i love nothing no one loves me and so i just need someone to prove sure. that this existence is yeah. worthwhile because i don't find it well, worthwhile. and think about just in general how difficult like the process of you know, self-actualization is like you're, you're born, you have, you know, your immediate family surrounding you. Right. And then it's like, by the time you reach five, now it's like you immediately go into social, like even before you're fully developed, you're now in school, you're in different things. It's like, and because you don't really know so much of your identity gets tied up in what this kid is saying about me, what friends do I have in elementary, junior high, high school, different things. And then even more so, like in the society we live in in general, like the family dynamic seems to be weakening and weakening, right? And mm -hmm. so it's like 
even more so you're kind of like isolated out in out in all of those things maybe not doing as much with your family like not having that kind of like love reinforcement um and you know it's like then maybe by the time you're you know 20 21 maybe 18 for some people it's like you're kind of you know now you go to college where you don't have nearly as many friends you have to make new friends again mm-hmm. a little more lonely like this is the point where you start kind of like for the first time maybe like going into self a little bit right i mean yeah we're not even fully developed enough at that point yet to like really start start diving in internally right and so it's like i mean at, at what point are you kind of taught or are you you know reared as like to have that self-love like have that individuality like no matter you know you can still have friends but you can still have like a strong internal character you can still have that that love for yourself and it's just i mean it's like it's a difficult road right oh, yeah. i mean and so it's like i i feel for you know my i mean my family my my household was chaotic like severely bipolar dad mm-hmm. uh, very loving which was always great but you know my mom was always working uh to support us and different stuff too and so um you know it was like it was i had the love but it was also very chaotic and it was surrounded by church and different stuff as well and and think about that too where your identity it's like yes this is your own life but you you kind of owe it to jesus or you you're kind of like responsible to someone else right it's like you're yeah. you 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 know yes whatever you do here but you're doing it to to get back to heaven with this god that that brought you down here and loves you so much you know and so it's like even within church like we don't we're not really taught self identity right and like mm-hmm. that that person and to love to love ourselves as much you know it's like oh we're doing this for somebody else right yeah you know? it's like it's so you know you can't save yourself alone you have to have jesus to save you and it's like you know it's so much of who we are is almost like you know way to strip our identity and while that's beautiful and it's beautiful to care and it's beautiful to to do things for other people like ultimately like you have to be kind of selfish in a way like you have to you have to put self-care like first and foremost above everything else and it's just not something that we're ever taught. You know? Oh yeah. So. Not at all. And I mean like um my life growing up was actually really great. Like my we had family dinner every night. Like oh, wow. every night. Um especially on Sundays we had like family home evening on Mondays, which is just like family activities and church lesson. Um my dad was always there super supportive if I had bad dreams in the middle of the night. Hmm. Like, I would go into their bedroom. My dad spent countless nights in the hospital just to be with me, right? Yeah. Um, my mom always made made sure she, like, was always there at the crossroads. Like, anytime we were leaving for school or coming home from school, she was there. She wow. was, um, so, like, it wasn't like I had a chaotic family. I even had, like, this amazing support system, and yet I still was so depressed and so... Um, suicidal it was like even with an amazing support system right um you can still even get to that spot without like a hard upbringing like i would say i lived pretty idyllically (laughs) and i almost feel bad like nowadays i almost feel guilty maybe not nowadays a few years ago i almost felt guilty for being as depressed as i was and as suicidal as i was because i was like i have an amazing family i have great friends now um and then i like they've always been so supportive um, and like parents are always there, but it was definitely bullying in like Hmm. elementary school, junior high school. It was pretty constant and always being different because I had like my heart surgeries and stuff. So I was like in and out of school. It was just, I was different from other people and that difference 
made me feel isolated and that I didn't know how to talk to people. And I think also part of it, it's not just like communicating and learning how to figure out who yourself is, but how to figure out how to say I'm struggling because Mm. like, I didn't know how to tell my parents, like I'm super depressed. I'm super sad. I think the first time I ever had the the conversation with them was um, after like my divorce papers were signed and everything. And I'm sitting with them on, the patio and we we're kind of talking about depression and it got a little too heavy for my parents. So they went inside my brother was sitting out mm-hmm. there with me. And then he shares um, how dark he had gone. Yeah. And I won't share that because that's his story. But I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's borderline suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> like this clearly runs in our family. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. And I almost had a breath of relief. Um, like it was a, I breathed out relief that someone else in my family understood and then breathed back in all this stress of like, <laughs> how did I not know? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Cause, but I was like, I, I didn't, no one knew about me either. Yeah. Um, which kind of takes us back to that, like coulda, shoulda, woulda, like yeah. most of the time they're not going to be, if you're suicidal, you're not really communicating. Yeah, for sure. I think Brad is this very interesting scenario because he was very open yeah. with people very close to him of where he was at. And even then, like sure. he couldn't be saved because I don't think he wanted, yeah. like he was at the place of, of, of peace. Yeah. Um, the first time I ever experienced someone being suicidal, not me being suicidal, was in college. I was over a dormitory uh-huh. of like 40 girls and um, this girl, I thought she had like attempted suicide, but I wasn't for sure. She had lots of scrapes and bruises and said she fell out of a tree. Um, and then maybe a month later, we got a call. There's ambulances and she's tried to overdose. Um, and was taken to a hospital for a 48 hour stay and then was brought back. Um, but everyone in the building, all of the girls were like, I wish we would have seen the signs. Like, what if this, what if that? And um, I saw the signs yeah. in the sense that like I saw the scrapes on her arm. I was like, that's not a likely story. You don't get scrapes yeah. in those places in yeah. that way from falling from a tree. But I had also seen girls in high school who had cut marks just like that. And I was like, hmm. hmm. And I didn't do anything about it. So even yeah. when you see it, sure. you don't know how yeah. to act on that. Yeah. You know? No, it's, it's, oh, it's crazy. It's like, and this is where like everybody is unique, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, how do you, how can you see the signs of one? Like see, I mean, are we responsible to help? Like, is it, is it like, I I thought I was trying to help, right? And and in reality it was, I mean, maybe I helped, I don't know, maybe, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I think one thing to even look at is like, genetic disposition or even like you you have no idea what a person has truly experienced in life right like people looking at you and it's like they they you know they haven't heard the stories of like the bullying different things that happened in high school different thing and it's like even brad like he had a hit there's a history and so you know that's even like the greater thing like could there be some genetic like you mentioned that regarding your family right And, and is there even like a genetic disposition for that that we don't even understand at all you know like brad had his his dad and his aunt, I think the dad's sister had both, both committed suicide in his lifetime. And so you're looking at twofold, you're looking at the genetic predisposition, but even then, like what kind of trauma did he experience from that? Right. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, you know, we never truly know 
like everything that's going on inside of a person, you know, never truly know like how to, like how they need to be held or how they need to be, you know, like, um, you know, comforted. Yeah. And I wouldn't say we're responsible to fix anyone. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that anyone can do is to have open conversations with their friends. Yeah. And I feel like we have a pretty good friend group that like we do have pretty open conversations of like, I'm really struggling here. I'm really anxious about this. Or like my relationship just kind of went topsy turvy and I want to cry to someone. I think that's like step one. And then step two is like being aware of how different people want to communicate. Cause um, like some people who would reach out to me, they were like, let's go do this and this and this together. And I was like, that is so much energy (laughs) to the point where I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't have the energy to go out with you and I'm going to disappoint you. And that just sent me more into a depression. But Mm. like the friends that could sit with me where I was at and I was like, well then let me come over to your house and clean your room with you. It's like, Oh, that's, like that, it's energy that, I have yeah. to spend and you're willing to spend that's actually really beautiful ugly energy with I like me, what you said you know? it's kind of like a friend who's there for where you're at or you know a yeah. friend to kind of match match you for where you're at yeah and yeah. I think that's the thing that probably helped me pull out yeah. of the deepest pit of it and get into where I was now and I think also sometimes it's like um, getting professional help like yeah. I think that's on the responsibility of the person that's like it's okay to get help. Yeah. You should get help. Like yeah. if you're having those thoughts, if you're thinking the like world would be better off without you, or you don't want to be around, <clears throat> or you have actually like made a plan, then definitely reaching out for help is yeah. number one. To me, to me, counseling that, that's kind of one of those other like stigma type things, right? It's like um, I, I don't even think you have to wait to the end. It's just like like I mean, get it now. Yeah, get it get it at any point, right? It's like I mean, any kind of counseling. Like I've I've loved marriage counseling, even though I never felt we were at that level to like, oh crap, counseling before divorce or whatever, right? It was more yeah. just like, let's start working on some things. Like, let's do some some groundwork now, yeah, right? So it's like, we, yeah, so we don't face these problems, right? Yeah, and so even I would think at the earliest thoughts of any kind of this or or just in general, like basic depression, basic, you know, anxiety, different things. I mean, like, you know, please, if you have that stigma, like release it, right? Yeah. It's like, just just release that and and, you know, it's, I mean, you may not find the best person on the first one, but I mean, I go right in. So speaking of stigma, actually, like. <laughs> Restart. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of stigma, actually, I think like suicide has a lot of stigma around it. Counseling has a lot of stigma around it. Um, one me having attempted suicide and being that depressed to also my experience working in um, at BYU and having friends who were, or having that girl who was suicidal and ended up committing suicide. Um, And three of them working in treatment centers. Um, The three things that I learned that I think most people have a stigma around um, about suicide is like you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid that if you talk about it you're going to get people to commit it or to think about suicide like if you don't ever mention it then they'll never think about it and so then but if you do mention it then they'll start thinking about it which which is something that you you did with me yeah and shortly after brown probably within three or four weeks of that and and knowing that i had been in that depressed state for a few months i mean it was like i'm sure that was difficult for you but you know i mean 
you have training in this and you, you've, you've seen this. So I think like, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, offended by that when you brought it up. In fact, if anything, it was like, oh, well, you know, just kind of loved hearing that there's someone who cares about me enough to ask this, right? Yeah. Even if it is a difficult question. And I think it is, it's definitely a difficult question, but like, I definitely think like just asking it, I mean, I was probably pretty blunt with you. Like I was yeah. like, hey, you know, you've been struggling and I know with Brad passing, like it, there's a chance that there's like a copycat rate in our friends. And yeah. I just want to check in with you because not that I think that you're suicidal or I think you're going to struggle, but like you could be and I'm checking in and I want to make sure yeah. that if you're not there now and you do end up getting there, you like, you know, there's a human that's on the other end listening. Like yeah. there's a safety person. Yeah. Um, and then like two, like, so just be blunt and ask, like not talking about it. That's number one is like talking about it does not mean that you're going to make them do it or make them yeah. think about it. And then two, just be blunt. Like, Hey, are you suicidal? Have you had suicidal thoughts? Do you want to end your life? Hey, you've been really reckless lately. Is that because you don't care about living anymore? Yeah. Um, I mean, I even like have had conversations with my roommate recently where like, She's like jokingly been like, well, I'm not even gonna live to like blah, blah, blah age. And mm. it's like 20 something. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> these things sound a little concerning to me. Is that because you're not gonna live because you plan on not living? Or is that because you're just being reckless yeah. and are gonna destroy your liver? And you know, her story is somewhere in the middle of all of that. Um, and I'll let her share her story of where she's at when she's ready for it too. But it's a, it's a blunt conversation. And then I think three is sometimes you have those friends that like you're in that blunt conversation with them or you're struggling with them or maybe they're threatening suicide or the conversation is just really heavy and you don't know what to do. And that's like when you need to have boundaries because like suicide is very heavy um, and you can't do it all. You can't be someone's life preserver, yeah. but boundaries also come with like help me. So it's like boundaries of getting professional help. Um, I've had a few different occasions where I've like had to utilize this once with a friend who just was in the throes of it and talking about it and threatening it. And it was just really heavy. And I was like, Hey man, Hey girl, Hey lady, like if we're going to talk about this, I can't do anything else for you. And you're not yeah. willing to do anything for yourself. You're not willing to call the line. You're not willing to call your therapist. You're not willing to listen to me. You're not willing to do coping skills. You're not willing to do any of these things. So I'm calling 911 and I'm getting professional help. Yeah. Like it's just happening. There's, there's no way we're not doing this right now yeah. because I can't help you and I'm not walking away from you. Yeah. Um, and like I had another friend who had another friend, right? Friend of a friend yeah. who was suicidal and um, he's calling me being like, Hey, I know you've worked in treatment centers. I have a friend who's like saying that he wants to kill himself. I have a friend who's like, like I'm constantly there for, I'm always his emotional support system and there multiple nights on end, he's been calling me, telling me that he wants to die. And then I have to stay on the phone with him for three, four hours um, until he's emotionally stable. Yeah. And I was like, well, ask him if he has a plan, ask him about if he's thinking about suicide and what he's going to do. Back to this being blunt, right? Yeah. <laughs> just be very blunt. Like, yeah, very blunt. are you thinking about it? If you are thinking about it, do you have a plan? If you do have a plan, do you have a means to enact that plan? Like just don't be afraid of the questions. If they mm -hmm. come to your mind, just ask them and be blunt. Cause you want to know if they have a rope. You want to know if they have drugs. You should know those things yeah. if they're that far down the road and you can just 
ask them. And after he like asked those questions, he's like, yeah, it sounds like he's being pretty serious. And I was like, well then you can't emotionally handle this. So you need to tell him that you're calling the cops. Yeah. You're states away from him. You're calling the cops and you're getting him over to his house because you can't do anything from where you're at. Yeah. There's only a certain amount of talking that can help. Sure. But talking still helps. Yeah. Being there to listen still helps. But if it's if you're the life preserver and you're trying to keep them from drowning and you're the one treading water, like <laughs> yeah. you can only tread water for so long. For sure. And like maybe you're already treading your own water and are trying to keep your head up. Like and there's nothing wrong with calling for help. If anything, I think being that like talk about it, be blunt about it. And then it set your boundaries with it, but with a support. It's not like, I don't want to talk to about this anymore. This is too heavy for me. Yeah. You walk away and you pull yeah. back. It's, I don't want to talk about, I can't talk about this anymore. This is too heavy for me. I don't know what to say to you. So I'm getting people who do. Yeah. I'm calling the suicide hotline with you right now. I'm making you call them. You're checking yourself into a hospital. And I know that's something that like our friends with Brad did they yeah. were like you're clearly struggling we've we've seen signs that make them worried and they checked him in for 48 hours for sure and that was that was them setting boundaries because i think for a while maybe that friend group was trying to do all the things yeah to keep him staying on top of the water and yeah. they were all as a whole group all together holding him up and they couldn't hold him up anymore. And yeah. that's okay to admit, I can't hold you. Yeah. Like that's totally human. Yeah, sure. I mean, there really was like an outreach of support continuously. And, and uh, you know, again, I think maybe the closest people to him kind of like understood understood the depths of, of where he was at. And and then, you know, other people knew there was depression and knew there was different things. And, and like me, we're offering support in that kind of way. But, but you know, it was like very, amazing to know that like you know those are two close friends of mine the ones that were really there for him like amazing to know that that they were there in that way for him and, and you know very special to know that they could be there for other friends that, yeah that are struggling in that same way and if anything i think holding those types of boundaries can be a reality check for for the person like yeah. you are that in need like i'm i'm calling the suicide hotline with you yeah. right now because i don't think you see it but you're you're struggling yeah, that much that sure. yeah. I can't do this yeah. alone. And I think maybe it also can be like a reality check and destigmatize the taboo for those around you. Yeah. Like you were just saying, like seeing that they could help Brad as much as they could, like they would be willing to reach out. It's like, oh, those are safety net people I could contact yeah. if I yeah. was ever in that place. Exactly. And I think if you are, like if you have a friend who's that depressed or you're worried about them, then those three, th those three things are great to know. And they can help you keep the coulda, shoulda, wouldas out of your head. Because yeah. if you talk to them bluntly about it, because you had those thoughts that they were suicidal, if you tried to communicate with them, you can just erase those coulda, shoulda, wouldas out of your mind. Because yeah. they're not going to force them down the road of suicide. It's going to, if anything, help them get off of that road or get them the help they need off of that road. And if you didn't know they were suicidal, then like you weren't, they're a person and that's okay. Yeah. Um, they probably had people and if they didn't have people, that's okay too. Like you can try to be there for the people you can be close with, but you can't be there for all of your friends. Sure. That would also be impossible. That's yeah. trying to be a life preserver <laughs> for a lifeboat of people. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not possible. For sure. Um, and I think I realized 
once I saw that, like, had those conversations of like, you can't be a life preserver for everyone. I think I realized that I needed to know who my life preservers could be. And so like with me being suicidal and struggling with depression, um, I kind of have like a, a safety plan now. It's like people that I know to reach out to. So I have like three people that if I call them like five times or more, like <laughs> they know I'm either dying in a car crash or like <laughs> there's something bad going yeah, down in my yeah, head and I need you. That's really good. <laughs> and uh, those are people that I reach out to. That's also why I always have a therapist yeah. that I've have gone and gotten help for years now. And I keep a therapist, even though I'm the healthiest I've ever been and yeah. not suicidal for years. Yeah. So good, like preventative measures, right? It's like, yeah. it's, it's much harder if not impossible to to kind of make those plans in the moment right mm -hmm. and it's like this is what you're kind of doing now as you pull through these situations and it's like okay what do i need for when these moments come around right yeah and um, i think even just that thought that you just had of like oh because i saw these two best friends of mine help this guy yeah i now know i have two people mm -hmm. i can call that are safe people yeah. that are okay talking about this are not gonna like brush me off and be like whatever depression just pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. but they're like they will talk to me they will listen to me they will help me find help and they will also reality check me if i'm deeper in my hole than i realize i'm in my hole yeah and so i think preventative measures if you know you have a predisposition to depression in your family like we were talking about genetics and stuff um, or even if you've just been struggling like go to therapy now get the help now and also if you've even just started to have the suicidal ideation like maybe I don't want to be here anymore maybe I should just drive my car off this road then maybe make a, a safety plan but yeah. like a safety plan is also good if you do get in a car crash like yeah. <laughs> yeah. who are you going to call when you get in the car crash yeah, yeah. who are your three people that will fly across the world to come and help you when yeah. you a broken back or a paralyzed. Well, again, that's what that's what's so hard about mental health is it's unseen, right? And it's mm -hmm. only it's only seen when we're willing to like be vocal about it, when we're willing to speak about it. But otherwise, you know, it's like an internal wound that that you know someone can't see you got on in a car crash, but it's like you may be in a fucking mental car crash, right? Um, yeah. And so, like, that's why it's it's more important and even more important to take these kind of like preventative, you know, create plans, have an action plan. Let the people know, like, hey, I want you to be a lifeline for me in these in these times where it gets rough, right? Like, let them know what your plan is for them, even, and, and kind of do all we can in that in that you know at the beginning, yeah. Um, because it's you know impossible, near impossible to do that when you're when you're in kind of that like vortex of, of shame and guilt and yeah and depression and everything else. Well, I also know those three people of mine. They, I've told them, like, yeah. by the way, <laughs> you're my safety plan. That's if good. I contact you, yeah. you should know yeah. this is what's happening. <laughs> and I think that's important too. It's like, it is so invisible. And I think, um, like, just like if I had a, if I was limping around, like how weird would it be if I like walk into work or like you're at work and one of your work buddies is like limping, like barely able to make <laughs> it into the building yeah. and you don't say, Hey, what's wrong with your yeah, leg? Yeah, like, you? <laughs> like if you just were like, that's weird. And you just kept, kept looking on. I think that's way weirder than like, Hey, let me get you an extra chair. Hey, let's elevate your foot. What's yeah. wrong with your foot. So if you're seeing like they're sad, they're depressed, like it's 
way weirder to For just sure. like look on and yeah. be like, what's going on with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the bluntness is just as blunt as you would be. If you saw, if you had, saw someone had Good a cast point. on their foot, yeah. you would ask them, what's that cast? Can I sign it? Yeah. Same as like suicide would be like, yeah. Hey, you're really down today. What's going on with you? Or like, yeah. Hey, I know a friend just passed away. Are you thinking of doing the same thing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's great. I love that. So, yeah. This was a really good podcast. It was. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you all for listening. And please find help to reach out to, whether you're suffering with it, suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, any mental health, or even if you just have a friend who's struggling with it. Because yeah. I think both those that suffer from it and those that are suffering with those suffering from it or struggling with those both need help, both yeah. need counseling and need support systems. So. Wonderful. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Our Hood. We hope this episode and others have helped you to find the community and belonging that you deserve. If you've loved being part of our community, please share this episode with your friends. You can find us on Apple and Spotify and other major platforms. Also, please follow us on Instagram at r underscore hood dot podcast. 